God, that introduction was the best introduction of all time. You cannot compare it to anything. Hello and welcome to Do Up Podcast. This is Louis Valletta, and if you couldn't see from the beginning and the intro, this is going to be about The Last Dance, which is the best sports documentary of all time and the majority of our opinions. And I'm going to review it. I'm going to tell you some great points that I saw in the documentary this far. Excuse the quality of this broadcast because... My professional equipment broke and I have no way of getting the new equipment because we're in a quarantine and stores aren't open and Amazon just ain't going to deliver in time. So just bear with me. The substance I'm going to give you is great. If you just stick with me, we're going to go over everything from Michael to Dennis Rodman to the haters like Isaiah Thomas, Bill Lambeer, that whole few. We got Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, their relationship. And what made the Bulls so special? We know the Bulls are one of the best, if not the best, dynasty of all time in the NBA, right? And most of us agree that Michael's the best. But what made them so great? The documentary centers on the feud of Michael Jordan, the Bulls, and Jerry Krause, who's their general manager, and how that dynasty fell apart by not Michael, not the team, but Jerry Krause himself destructing it for all us Bulls fans to give you an idea of my background. I started loving basketball because of Michael Jeffrey Jordan. And I I know a lot of people out there that have have taken to basketball and been so passionate because this man transcended sports. He transcended basketball into a culture he built and paved the way for all these guys today. And and Michael is to thank for his immeasurable contributions economically, culture-wise. And it was in 1990 that I saw him on a Sports Center highlight that just blew my mind. I saw this this guy Michael, you know, on the Bulls and hanging in the air and jumping and doing all these aerial things that I've never saw. I was a baseball fan. I'm sure some of you guys have the same the same story. Y'all just didn't grow up uh, watching basketball out of nowhere. Somebody got your interest. Well, my age group, I just happened to be living through the golden era where Michael started this this furious this almost cult-like following of everyone black white asian uh, everybody from the philippines to to south america i mean china everybody was watching michael because he had something special 
it's not just the marketing out there. The thing that made Michael special that we're going to get into was his substance. And in the documentary in The Last Dance, we see Michael was concerned about one thing only. And it upsets a lot of people that Michael didn't take stances on these outside issues, whether you agree on it or not. Michael built his foundation through one thing and one thing only. He built his worldly following through one thing and one thing only. He built my following, my obsessive, passionate love of basketball that I would have never had. He did that through his own hard work and dedication, persistence, and unrelenting desire to be the best. It transcended through the glass on the TV screen so much that I had to question if this man was alien or human. And I still question it till today. And and that effect is what got him the endorsements. It's what got him the millions of videos that's been put out by him. The, the astronomical effect on the economy Michael Jordan has, has had. The most influential basketball player and sportsman of all time is Michael Jeffrey Jordan and the documentary centers around him. Now, let's get into the topics. Let's get into what we've seen. I've heard a lot from you guys over the last six weeks about the episodes and what you guys wanted to talk about. So that's why I'm here. The Up Podcast is going to explore the situations that you guys want to talk about. Episodes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6 have been put out already. And like I said, it it really traces the, the division within the ownership and the management and the players. It, 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 it highlights that. That's the running arc of the story. There's a little jumping back and forth from 98 to Jordan's early career. And you got to kind of know basketball to, to, to distinguish between the two. And you got to really know the game. So uh, that kind of might be confusing to you, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to simplify that. Michael's drive was started by playing his brother when he was in North Carolina, Wilmington, North Carolina, where he grew up. Larry, his older brother, would beat up on him and light the fire of his his drive. That that Michael Jordan drive we all know started as a little young kid. And he would get beat up and beat and left and right. And this guy would take literally take beatings and his brother would rub it in. And then finally certain, you know, certain changes started to happen. Michael grew a little bit, got a little better at basketball, and he finally beat his brother. And that lit a fire in him. That was step one. Step two, Michael learned to get to a different level because he was cut by his high school basketball coach. Think about that right now. How many athletes out there, how many businessmen failed in the beginning as badly as Jordan? Right? The best man ever sued up, Michael Jordan, wasn't even able to, to make his high school basketball team. So he goes to this camp, and this camp 
this basketball camp that's in I forget where where the camp was was held but he he wasn't that good so the coach Jordan's coach had to fudge his his statistics for him to get into this camp and he plays for one week in the basketball camp and in the camp Michael Jordan used all of that that determination and willpower that unrelenting willpower to get himself to MVP status in this camp where he wasn't even recruited to play. Patrick Ewing was there. A lot of people were there. He won MVP his first week at the camp. Again, did busing tables because Michael was a waiter there. You know, the parents couldn't afford it. So the camp had Jordan work off his experience to let him play there. So after Michael Jordan was serving these dudes their food, he would serve them on the court. He also won MVP the second week there. So now we see this guy's different. Michael's fuck. I use the word fuck because this is intense, man. This is passion. Michael took his, his, his burning will and desire that he had from losing to his brother Larry and put the work in. Enough to show up at this camp he wasn't even supposed to be at and win MVP. Michael then, you know, after shooting up some inches, some some five inches, grew into an even bigger body. And you have all this skill, all of this hard work and determination and this, this, this unrelenting willpower that no one else has had. And you put it into this tall, long body that can jump out of the gym. And Michael finally went to North Carolina, winds up, you know, being coached by Dean Smith, and winds up not dominating, but playing very well enough to hit the, the world championship shot. I think it was in 1983 or two. He winds up hitting the shot, winning shot for his team to win the national championship. Now, already we see this diamond starting to be constructed, but that diamond isn't polished yet. It's not Michael Jordan yet. We know this guy is good, but we don't know his, 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 he's not Michael Jordan yet. The Chicago Bulls take him, and the Chicago Bulls draft him as the centerpiece of their, 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 their organization. Michael automatically is a shining star. He's play. He he gets the reputation of playing offense, and and he's a brilliant offensive player. And he's the star of the league, just flashy wise and this and that. And um, he got a reputation for not being the best defensive player, but all flash and 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 you know he didn't have a great jump shot, be the good jump shot. He's really just this athletic specimen that worked his ass off, just fucking hard, right? 1986 comes around, he breaks his ankle. So, in contrast to these sissy NBA players today, Michael breaks his ankle and immediately starts his rehab process. He works so hard on the rehab process and takes it so seriously that he's able to come back in half the time and he wants to play for his Chicago Bulls team because one, he's getting paid for it, and two, that's his damn passion. 
The organization and Jerry Krause at the time doesn't want him to play. They want him to save his ankle, not come back, because they want him to rest to come back to final se- the next season. Now, this would be called load management today and being safe and all this other sissy stuff. Michael wasn't born a sissy. Michael's a hard worker. He's a blue-collar, hard-headed sludge bucket. He is. He's an animal. And Michael comes back for the playoffs that year, insists on playing against anyone's recommendation, and, and literally, he literally lights it up in the playoffs. He scores 63 points against, yes, the Boston Celtics in the playoffs in 1996, two years in the league fresh on a broken ankle. And this is when we know that this man is just different. So we see all the adversity that leads up and that shapes this this diamond starting to get more polished now. Now we're starting to see Michael, right? We're starting to see the Bulls, the Bulls gem starting to look good. Starting to be this higher level being, right? This is when it all started. This is when the league and the world starting to say, Michael Jeffrey Jordan has arrived. This dude is different than anyone else. I would call that part one. And we see this. We see this. And that's the reason why I say this is that you see the progression of Michael into Michael Jordan. You know, Mike Jordan into Michael Jordan. We see that progression. And we also see the conflict that takes center stage in the last dance starting to heat up between the ownership management and the players, in particular, Michael Jordan. We're talking about Michael right now. I'm going to call this section of the podcast that I just went over adversity, right? The beginning of adversity. Man, I can't tell you, Michael has so much more adversity to come. But we see the foundation of what drove this man the formula of becoming an alpha animal, his relentless work ethic, his relentless ability to say no and to say no to everyone else. I'm better than you. I'm better. I'm superior because I work harder. And I believe that anyone in life owns that title and can say they're superior if they do work harder. Now, Remember, we're in 1986 now. The shoe deal, the endorsements, all of that good stuff. It's the first time an individual athlete, and the the uh, the the, la- the last dance documentary goes over this. It's the first time an individual athlete in a sport is attracting all these attention, all this attention in a team sport. We're not talking about a, a golfer here or a tennis player because that's all that attracted those endorsements at that point. This is a team sport player. Michael has been shining at such a level that people are starting to notice. <laughs> it's almost like the uh, the Joker, that part in the Joker where where um, the Joker is is sitting down with his therapist and you know he's, he's going through this rough time, but... You know, he starts killing people and and, 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 and and he sees himself on TV and he's saying, yeah, and people are starting to notice. 
Now, granted, he was doing the wrong thing to get the not- the notoriety, but in that he was proud. And I believe that Michael, Michael, more than anything, had more pride in himself than anyone. I mean, the sheer work is attracting attention from Nike. The sheer determination and unrelenting obsession is getting endorsements left and right. He's getting worldly recognition. All based off of his hard work only. Not his baby sissy side calling himself a brand and treating himself as a brand and this and that and blah, blah, blah. Like these guys like to tout themselves. He's still building Michael. And he's building Michael from the inside out, from the bottom up, from the work. Because there's no fucking substitute for the work. There's no substitute for the truth. These guys today, they don't get that shit. Michael builds himself from back when. And the guys today... Try and do it in the beginning. They try and create the brand from the beginning and try to be like Mike in quotes, but they don't have the product. And the product is is hard work. The product is substance. The product is fundamentals. The game, repetition. It's the same in business as it is on the court. And these guys don't get it, and they're shells of themselves. That's why today's game is vacuous, substanceless. Only a couple of guys get it. And we're going to get to those guys later on. I'm going to tell you who has the Jordan gene and why they win. But getting back to the matter at hand, the last dance, the documentary, we're all seeing. Then we get to a wonderful, great rivalry that's going to define Michael the rest of his career. Michael is getting to be a winner at this point. There's a little knock on him that he's a little selfish, you know, around the league and his critics, that he might not be the best passer, that he might not be the best winner. He wins, but he can't get far in the playoffs. The reason why there is this big stumbling block called the bad boys, a.k.a. the Detroit Pistons. Now, the Pistons are a team, in my opinion, that if Michael didn't have to face, he would have never became Michael Jordan. Here's another level. So here's part two. Not episode two. I'm going to part two. This is part two of the Louis Belletta podcast, D-Up, dance, last dance coverage. The Pistons from Detroit, were known to fuck up Michael Jordan. When I say fuck up, they actually had things called the Jordan Rules. I read the book. There was a book called the Jordan Rules. And in the Jordan Rules, I'm going to just overview it. You can watch it in the documentary. When Michael Jordan was to drive the ball into the lane, the only way that they can stop him was to crush him, physically beat him up. When I say beat him up, go on YouTube and check out what beat him up means. Ironically, Dennis Rodman was on this team, his former teammate that would he'll face and he'll he'll play with in the future. But Michael 
had to face the Detroit Pistons, who were this muscular, badass team from top to bottom. Anytime Michael touches the ball, they're double and triple teaming them. They're not only hand-checking, they're elbowing him in the ribs, hitting him in the head. Um, I have countless coverage on it right now. You guys go watch it on YouTube, right? Nothing that these sissies see today, these basketball player luxury-ridden boys see. There's anything have, they don't have any clue what it was like to be Michael Jordan, the man. And take this beating. Physically, it was a much more physical game than than what it is today. You know, uh, you couldn't walk across the lane without getting checked. You know, or the, the screens. You know, illegal screens holding. You always had to pay a price. You know, be it if you were aggressive and you were a gun hole guy and you go in, you go in with the understanding that I'm gonna get hit. I'm gonna pay the price. But you know, that's part of the game. You know, I'm not gonna be afraid to go inside. Those are types of things that. Uh, these kids don't even have a clue of how uh, we had to grow up or how we had to play. Now, Michael at this time is skinny as shit. I don't know how much he weighed, maybe 180 pounds, but he lanky, skinny, getting his ass beat, losing every single year in the playoffs to the Detroit Pistons. Michael, as good as he is, averaging 37 points a game at one point, right? I'll say it again, 37 points a game. Yeah, he averaged 37 points a game. And this man was getting beat up. And the rules weren't. He wasn't even shooting three-point shots. This guy is losing every year in the playoffs to the Detroit Pistons. Now, year after year after year, one thing we see is just Jordan taking more of a beating. So Michael decides, all right, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to be a sissy like LeBron James and call my little friends and say, hey, guys, would you like to play with me? Was he calling after he couldn't beat Isaiah and, and Bill Lambeer and Rick Mahorn and Dennis Rodman? You didn't see Michael Jordan calling those guys and say, hey, can I join your team? He wasn't calling Larry Bird to stand by his side or Magic Johnson. Do you know what he did? He got into the gym and started lifting weights so he can get a little bit of muscle. That's what he did. Because that was a it's a it's a normal problem solution that any real man would do. And he didn't want to befriend them. He wanted to fucking beat them. And if you don't want to fucking beat your opponent, whether you're getting paid five million dollars a year or getting paid zero on the playground. You're playing, you shouldn't be playing sports because sports is about winning. I don't care what any little uh, parent says and whatever. It, it's about winning. At the end of the day, you figure out a way to win. So how did Michael have to do this? He would have to change psychologically. He would have to change his, his mental, the way he mentally viewed preparing for the game. He would have to physically change the way he prepared for the game. And he would have to say, if the wolves are going to eat me, I'm going to have to become a wolf and eat them. And what did Michael Jordan do? Like I said, he didn't call his little friends to come by his, his side. He spoke to Scotty, his, his now teammate. Michael spoke to Horace. And he asked them, when I stand up to these guys, 
I just want you to stand by me. And little by little, as much as Scottie Pippen needed Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan needed Scottie Pippen to stand up to the Pistons. And Michael Jordan not only stood up to the Pistons the, the next year, which I feel was 90, 91. My memory is escaping me. I think it was nine, uh, the 1991 season. Um, what happened? Uh, sorry, the, the excuse me, it was 1991. Uh, they not only beat the Pistons when Michael put on all this muscle and they changed their psychological point of view. Not they, Michael did. Because for all you naysayers out there and all you dudes that think you know everything, that you never saw Jordan play, all you guys that are young thinking that Scottie Pippen's the reason why Michael was this wonderful player, like, and him, that's the reason why he won. You're all jokes. The reason why is because Michael turned Scottie Pippen into this player. Imagine Scottie guarding Michael every single practice and Michael chewing, enjoying, and yelling at him like an alpha, like the alpha male that he is, toughening him up. Michael, before these series, told him to toughen the fuck up. He told them to sit by him, stand by him whenever ever there was a fight. So finally, Michael Jordan, Michael Jeffrey Jordan and Scottie Pippen and Horace Grant and the full Chicago Bull team got past this Detroit Pistons hurdle because of Michael. And guess what the series went to? The series stopped in four games because Michael swept, swept the Detroit Pistons. That's how good Jordan is now. Isaiah Thomas and Bill Lambeer. I'm sure you've heard their interviews. I'm sure you've seen them on the last uh, the Last Dance documentary. I'm sure you've heard them talk about Michael not being the best player they've played against. You want to know why? Because they're bitter, sour losers. Imagine you going up against these guys, Michael specifically. Imagine you you own this dude. You're by, you're beating him every year, and then all of a sudden, this dude starts owning your ass, right? Not not even owning you, but just own, like like just just controlling everything. This guy is the guy who stopped your career. He stopped your chance for championships. If you notice, every Michael Jordan hater that played against him was beaten up to a pulp by Michael. When you talk about bias, this is the bias to the exponential degree. Isaiah is a hater. Bill Lambeer, a no-talent hater. They wish they had Jordan's drive, one. They wish they had Jordan's career, two. They wish they had as many wins as Jordan and as many championships. So they're not going to say much. They're a thing of the past. And look where Michael ended up. So anytime you see Isaiah or Bill Lambie or any of that team speak, listen to it and think it's just noise. Because that's all it is. Sour grapes. In my opinion, that Detroit era versus the, the Bulls, that, that rivalry was just like the rivalry that was about to happen in the 90s, early 90s into the mid-90s between the New York Knicks and the Chicago Bulls. Same dynamic, muscle versus talent. And I'll get into the Knicks stuff coming up.
because, you know, I'm a Knicks fan now. Since Michael Jordan left, there's no reason to, to be a Bulls fan and stay with them because everybody left. So I, I'm from New York. I was turned into a Knicks fan, which is horrible and depressing, which all my, all my, my, my listeners out there know I'm a depressed Knicks fan. But this is about Jordan. And I think that series encapsulated and made me see, because that's when I started to follow him, 89-ish, 90. I saw him struggle through all of those those matches, those those games, and then and then finally just get past those dudes. That that took it showed me as a man how to work. How to how to mentally prepare, how to be the alpha, how to become the killer and the murderer and not the prey, how to become the predator and not the prey, not to be preyed upon. And that started Michael. That was it. From that point on, Michael started to win championships. I'm going to cut it off now. I've been 28 minutes into this podcast and I've went over my time. But I cannot wait to give you podcast number two on The Last Dance because I am enjoying this and my trip down memory lane. And remember, I lived through this stuff. I was at these games. I've seen them all. I've seen LeBron play to the current day. I've seen Kobe. I've seen them all. And there ain't nothing that compares to Michael's story. I can't wait. Come back here to the D up. I'm going to give you some inside stuff. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about what you guys wanted to talk about. Like always, because I love you and I want you to keep coming back. That genuine. I love my fans out there and I want you to, you hit me on Instagram, on Facebook. I want you to hit me at Lewis space, Edward space, Balletta. Tell me how much you, you, you love what I said, or you hate what I said. Tell me what you want to talk about on next episode. And watch The Last Dance this Sunday. It's the best sports documentary of all time. Uh, it's my dream to make one of those. Anyways, um, thank you again. Let's go NBA. Let's go Michael Jordan. All right? Best of all time. We're going to get to so much more stuff. I love you and thank you. I'll see you next week. You have so much respect for people who have gone in the trenches with you, you know, who have come, you know, from the bottom with you to the top, you know. Uh, a lot of these guys that I'm playing with now uh, never really experienced when Chicago Stadium was only 6,500 people watching the game. That builds camaraderie between your friends and players and coaches and stuff like that. That to rebuild or to start over or to have that with someone else you basically have to go through the same processes. You know, you can't skip steps to, to earn that type of respect. You gotta go through all the disappointments that a relationship must go through.